0: You now? Beat everybody to the
1: diamonds. Right, and do you know how to do
0: that? Hey, the flies fly, the spark beam up. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting Fans! Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to learn more about it because you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place.
1: Hi, I'm Grace, and I'm Shauna, and we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Sipol Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes.
0: I hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every two weeks this is going to take several years as you can imagine so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way
1: that's right and we really want to include our moonlining fans in this project as much as possible so write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose our email address is fans at moonlining the podcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes
0: so stay with us Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well,
1: Well, let's let's get get started.
0: Hi, Blue Mooners. Shauna and I really hope you enjoyed the pilot, part one. We had so much fun creating it for you. And we're really looking forward to recording the subsequent episodes. And now, here's Moonlighting the Pilot, part two. The other thing is, this is the first time we hear her grunt. You know that grunt she has when she's angry? A growl, like... (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, it's really prominent in the black and white episode. Yes, and I... (laughs) I had too much time on my hand, seriously. The Porsche, the red Porsche, and he drives yeah. it into the basement and it's clearly not him. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I paused it and I. Oh, you did. And the yeah. lighting was so good that you can oh. only just tell that it's not him. Yeah. But it yeah. was very well filmed. I'll give them a lot of credit for that. Very good. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot of times you can tell that it's his stunt double, especially when he's running and, yeah, from, from the back, they look different. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So parking garages are a staple of moonlighting, and um, yes, they he follows her into a, the parking garage. She's hiding behind the car, isn't she? Um, she runs away. He chases her into the parking garage. She's like hiding behind the car, like, and then he comes in, right? Or is no, he hiding? No,
0: no, the other way around. Uh, yeah. Other way around. Okay. So he
1: runs in, hides behind the car, and then she. Okay, runs. and she comes and he, down. And Then he just
0: gets up. He should have just stood there. <laughs> what was what was the purpose of
1: hiding? Anyway, so I know he's just yeah. playing games. Now this is a scene. Okay. Now, you know, one thing I was thinking about watching the pilot is like the evolution of their relationship. I think this is a pivotal scene and the turning point of their relationship in the pilot. So she comes in and she's upset, you know, and she wants to go home or whatever. Right. What does he do? He, he shifts gears. He starts sweet talking her and saying, I'm sorry. I understand. And, you know, and things like that. And he, you know, he comes close to her and he's talking calmly and he's sweet talking her. And, you know, he's like approaching her in a different way now, like before it's like, what a cold bitch you are. And, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And like different ways to provoke her. Right. So I just saw he's breaking down a wall there with her by shifting gears and talking to her in a different way, which, uh, you know, she wants to get away from him at that point, And then, you know, and then he, he says, okay, I'll go. If you really want me to go, I'll leave. And he leaves. And then she goes to the payphone, right? Right. Yep. And then he, he comes in in the Porsche. Yeah. But I think because he shifted gears and talked to her calmly and sweetly. And like, I understand kind of way. That's why she gives him a ride. Yeah. He actually wore her down a little bit. Yeah. But that's what he's so good at doing. Yes. You know, Yeah, it's the whole thing. So he's so good at like wearing her down and then um, she softened and she gave him a ride and then she drove back to her house. She brought him back to her house. Why didn't she drop him off somewhere? Well, I guess she drove herself home and then she said, um, take the car.
0: Oh, that's right, yes. And that's the first time you see the entrance to that home that
1: they chose. Yeah. Very nice. Which we don't. Yeah, we don't get that too much. Later seasons, uh, we see outside Maddie's house on set.
0: Yeah, but even those shots are quite small and very enclosed, close up.
1: They don't use a driveway. They just the car just drives up to the front door. So yes, exactly. But yeah, so I love it when uh so he gets out and he follows her to the door, you know, it's like, where do you think you're going? Yeah, it's just like then Maddie turns around and says to him, you know, he's like, I think you've got the wrong impression of me. You know, he's still trying to like get her to see him in a different way, to see his point of view and things like that. Um, but yeah, I love everything she says at the door is like you'll have to excuse me today. I found out I lost all my money, you know, right. All of those things, like all the things that happened to her that day. And it's like, yeah, yeah. give her a, give her a break here. You know, I mean, when you think about it, she had a pretty crappy day. It was a real crappy day, you know, television cameras not to mention the likes of you poked in my face all day long. Yeah. The Um, way, the way she says it too. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. acting.
0: What's the paper on the door? Now, there's a paper on the front door. Is that a possession notice or something? I thought she kept the
1: ha- was able to keep the house. I know. I, I was thinking it was, yeah, probably like a possession or something, but maybe she found a way to, yeah, if she liquidated these other things, maybe she had enough money to, like, pay a couple months on it or something hmm. to keep it. And then later it caught up again because we that's revisited in another episode. That's
0: but, right. Yeah. Spoiler alert.
1: Yeah, spoiler. Sorry.
0: Yeah, she says to him, "I take the car. I'll have somebody to pick it up tomorrow." Who the heck is right. she going to get to pick it up tomorrow? She's lost everybody. She's lost her yeah. staff. And well, at yeah. this point, we don't really know if she has a family in in LA.
1: Oh yeah, I, I think she's probably still in the mindset that she always had the staff to do these things for her, but she probably just forgot that she didn't. She didn't anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I love the kitchen, the
0: old elements. When he turns the element on.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the, a little bit dated there in the kitchen for sure. Yeah. But yeah, The so the bad guys come in and they um, want that watch. Yes. The watch is the whole pivotal thing here that we haven't even mentioned yet. <laughs> and he says, um, that Simon says, yeah.
0: I think it will speed things along considerably if you know who I am and what I am about.
1: Yes. Very calm. So Simon, yeah, very calm. Yeah. And he is... Now, moonlighting, the dialogue, you know, normally moved very quickly and it doesn't move as quickly here in the pilot. No, it no. speeds up later. Yeah. But I think Simon speaking so slow is a good, again, contradiction, contrast to how fast they, the dialogue usually moves in, moves in moonlighting. Yep. And that's why I think when people watch the
0: pilot and then they watch the first episode, you can't quite grasp why it's different, and that's the reason because they're like, boom, 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 going 100 miles an hour talking. And that, not only that, they're talking over each other, yeah. which eventually they got really good at. You know, They were so good at it. And that's why we love them both.
1: Amazing. I listened to the commentary between um, Glenn and Bruce uh, in preparation for this again. And Bruce was saying, and Sybil described it as diving off a cliff together. And Bruce said, you know, you just have to Cross the dialogue at the exact same point in every take, and from every direction that they're filming. You know, kind of saying it like you just have to do that, and it's like, how hard would that have been? Yeah, you know, because that's stopping and resetting and filming from a different angle and crossing in the exact same way again each time you film it. You know, so I mean, I know they got good at it, but it it had to have been really difficult. I am always so grateful to their acting abilities, you know, and Glenn's writing, you know. The writing, and then how they were able to like capture that on and film, and really pull it off together. You know, it was amazing. Yeah. Let's let's give the listeners
0: a bit of a an insight in the background into our podcast. At yeah. the beginning, let's let's just tell them right at the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. You would have heard our little banter introducing the show. Now, it took us quite a few takes because I wanted a couple of those sentences for us to talk over each other or well, not over each other but we said the same thing but we said it at the same time and we had several several takes to get that right so I couldn't possibly couldn't possibly <laughs> imagine. imagine what yeah. Bruce and Sybil went through to not only remember all that dialogue that they went through but yeah. to say it at the same time it looks so easy but it's not
1: they make it look easy, but it's not easy. And they had such a short time frame, you know, to get the script, which we know were they were always last minute, get the script, memorize the lines yeah, and pull it off so naturally like they did and be able to overlap in, in the ways that they did um, to make it all sound so seamless. And yeah, I don't know, 66 episodes, which aren't a lot, but each season fell short. But it's because they had to put so much extra effort into filming each episode and everything that they went through to, to pull it off sometimes I'm, I'm grateful that we got any episodes at all so when you uh,
0: very very talented
1: actors definitely oh yeah to bring them together I don't know um, if two other actors would have been able to pull it off like they did you know so it really was it was like lightning in a bottle which yeah. all of us fans know and they went through thousands to cast Bruce yeah they just so they found the right
0: person there several, and... yeah there were several in the queue so to speak. Yeah desi arnez jr can't remember who the other ones
1: were there were a few anyway we'll get to yeah, have heard them talk about that a lot but yes. but then um yeah. so yeah they found bruce and he was able to do it, it. but then civil too it's like it's the first time she had um been the lead on a series you know so there was a lot of, a lot on her to be able to pull it off as well and like the fact that she could she could do it and they could do it together under the conditions that they did just the last minute scripts and the um the pages and pages of dialogue and the long working hours, you know, just being so tired and things like that. Yeah. So, like I said, sometimes I'm grateful that we got the ep- just any of the episodes that we did. You know, just happy that it all came together. The Henchman, Alistair. Yeah.
0: Her, see-through yeah. shirt.
1: Let's talk about the see-through yeah, shirt. But, what the yeah. What was, was that about? That see-through <laughs> shirt was that was that the uh, style at the time? Men wearing see-through dress shirts.
0: <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm a henchman, but I'm sexy, baby.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm a sexy henchman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And, you know, um, Simon was dressed very well, too. Well, He's wearing a suit, wasn't he? Like these, oh, these were like them. well-dressed monsters. Well-dressed, well-behaved. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> he didn't hurt them. He just left out the kitchen door.
1: That was it. Yes, yeah, he just threatened and um, put a sausage, you know, kind of threatening what could happen to their... Mm. faces if they didn't comply and mm. and the funny thing is they never checked their their wrists did yeah. they what the hell was that about he had it on his <laughs> wrist the whole time I know I know I was like what you know if you're looking for a watch the, the first thing you might want to look is if, to see if someone's wearing it you know mm. so right. yeah I thought that was pretty funny thinking about it this time
0: one thing I did think is when they had the, that little bit of a fight well there was two things the first thing is she's a terrible shot with a gun used up all the bullets and broke basically all the vases in the house and I would have liked a little bit of music there do you think there's no music in the Uh, background when they're having the big fight yeah Um, yeah yeah, so that's just something I I wrote down yeah Uh, yeah and the scene where they're on the couch and he's on the ground that's obviously that snapshot
1: is used for the future intros um yeah that's right yeah they used um images from the pilot for the opening credits yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, an iconic shot of them. When, yeah. When she's on the couch and he's on the floor. Um, so one, one thing about the scene where they're trying to fight them off and um, Maddie, he says, Maddie grab the gun and she shoots. Oh, there's a couple things there that are repeated as uh, she shoots. And yeah, she's not a good shot. Of course she's a model and yeah, you know, she's a model. So like she's not gonna, <laughs> I'm sure didn't handle a gun much, but Simon says, you know, after she shoots, he says that's six there's something in this show about counting the bullets that come out of the gun. And yeah. In other episodes, Mm -hmm. that's six shots. And then they think like, Oh, I can like get up and grab the gun now because they've already used all the bullets. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, And I know which ones you're talking about too. (laughs)
1: Yeah. The other thing is, okay. I have something about Maddie and David's relationship um, that I've watched um, in the series. He says, Maddie grab the gun. And then she goes, what do I do now? Okay. And she asked that in other times during this episode and then throughout the series, she's always, you know, and he is training her a little bit, if you think about it, to be a detective. Right. But she often asks him, what do we do now or what do I do now? And, you know, I make moonlighting videos you know, on YouTube and I have uh, a bunch of fan videos that I've put together that are compilations of the show or taking clips and putting them together with music and stuff like that. And there's a link in the description, I think, if anyone wants to see those videos. Um, it's all my love for the show. But I have a video where of a compilation of Maddie saying, What do we do now? or What do I do now? or things like that. So, my f- partial theory on their relationship is she was always looking to him for guidance throughout the series. And, you know, as much as she, you know, acted like she didn't like him and all of that, she, you know, they leaned on each other. And that's a way that she leaned on him is to look, you know, what should I do now, David? Or what do we do now? Because he always had like good ideas and stuff. Until like season four, season five, she stopped asking that question. She stopped asking like, David, what are we going to do? Or what, what do I do now? Or, you know, what what should we do? And things like that, which I think is like, it signifies a bit of a turning yes. point in their relationship in general.
0: Yep. Very good pickup.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I do have a PhD in moonlighting. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's i've studied this for many years and um yeah i think that's one thing that really changed is she stopped looking to him and they lost a they, they lost a connection and in a way it's kind of like their relationship was real in a way you know what i mean like follows the, the train of a real relationship that's um, right yeah. So that's one of the things that I notice over the life of the series is um, she stops kind of looking to him for guidance at a certain point. And I think that's part of their disconnect.
0: She's, is she tied up with
1: Alistair's tie? I know they have all sorts of straps all over the- Yeah, she uh, looks like
0: she's got Alistair's tie on. I could be wrong. But,
1: okay. Uh, didn't take that's much funny. after that. I didn't rewind. <laughs> no, not for that. Not for that. But then um, she's tied up. Well, he's he gets untied. And then he won't untie her, which is uh yes now you're going to listen to me yeah right i know now he's finally got her in his grasp where he wanted you know we're in a position where he she has to listen right she's always running from him and uh she's got to listen this time but uh sybil didn't really like being tied up you know during the series (laughs) no there's another one (laughs) yes there's there's another time where she was really pissed off about being tied up which is so funny (laughs) No, but whatever yeah just her being difficult on the set or <laughs> why does it matter if you're tied up you know but maybe you're sitting there for hours being tied up I don't know I've, I've never you know been on I've never been tied up on a set so I don't know but anyway didn't look like she was tied up too tight yeah anyway plot wise he's got her where he here yeah, where he wants her where she has to listen to him 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 with like pouring alcohol down her throat right this is like one of two times in the show in this pilot episode where he he's like you need a drink and he, and he gives her a shot of whiskey or something like that, right? And then, yeah, I love that. He's like, she's like, i'm timing. He's like, when you're calm. When she's you're like, cal- I'm calm.
0: calm. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, you know what? He had the watch. Yeah. He couldn't tell them. He's trying to keep them both alive. I know. And by holding yeah. that watch, and that's what he's trying to tell
1: her. Yeah. Otherwise, you know what? They would have killed them. Yeah. If they gave him the watch. So they would have killed them or and. He is trying to, he knows this is part of something bigger that he can solve. He's thinking of the future. This is something bigger that um, he can solve or they can solve together that might make headlines that will show her we can do this. So he knows the watch is representing something bigger and he really wants to find out what it is so he can solve the case. And so they can solve the case. And so she will agree to be his partner and they can run this detective agency together he can keep it open he can keep his job he can save mr pesto's job you know what i mean he's thinking of all these things he has this bigger plan right and that's why
0: going back to when he was sitting in his office and and agnes walks in he's got this all
1: sorted mate
0: he's got this all
1: yeah (laughs) yeah and it's unraveling at his fingertips and that's that's why he held on to the watch and he knew that he can kind of um you know you talk to him or um, get him themselves out of any situation with his mouth. So he definitely looks into what's the opportunity here. What can we
0: do with this? And it's the theme throughout the series. Yeah. He's thinking ahead. Well, hang on a minute. I'll hold on to the watch and we break this case and it'll be yeah. great for our
1: detective agency. Exactly. And she's always like, it's over, David it's over David, give back the watch. Or, you know, he's, she's always like, we're not taking this case and things like that. And then he's the one that's always seeing the opportunity. Like you said, he's always seeing like, no, no, wait, there is a way. And that's why he always has to like coax her out of her little box. Right.
0: And she had balls saying to him, you're a sissy fighter. while she's tied up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And yes. Yeah. The sissy fighter. And then um, see second time in the episode, what does she do as soon as he unties her? She punches him. him. (laughs) She hits him again. Hits him again. This poor bastard. Yeah. I'd love to ask Glenn when he was developing that character, when he thought about Maddie, why have her like slap and hit him so much? I mean, in real life, are women like slapping and punching?
0: No, well, it's just a little bit of action and people love the banter between them and, you know, all their their arguments and fighting. It's just wonderful to watch for some reason.
1: Part of their relationship. the,
0: The chemistry between them was amazing. Yeah, it really was. It's not something
1: you can create. It, it's either there or it isn't. Yes. And they, and they had that in spades, which is what made it work. And the, and yeah. Why, like I say, every time the show, you know, follows something else for a minute, you always want to get back to Maddie and David from there. They go to um his office. He didn't take her back to his house. One thing is Glenn was told not to have them sleep together in the pilot episode. Right. That's um, right. <laughs> um. But God, I mean, would David take Maddie back to his house? He didn't even have any furniture to sit on. So he, she would have to sleep in the bed with him or whatever. Yeah, that's true. I uh, haven't seen his apartment yet. Yeah. The benefit yes. of hindsight.
0: We know that he has no furniture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was more Glenn thinking, you know, he did say he was told not to have them sleep together in the, in the first episode or anything like that. So took her back to Blue Moon and where there's two separate offices that she could sleep in one he could sleep in another. And oh, what sexy scenes here. Sexy. Um, yeah, talk about chemistry, them looking at each other. And Bruce looks so cute here yeah. in these scenes. You know, he looks so boyish and the way they have him lit and shot. And Sybil and Bruce with those dimples are always flashing. You know, I always say like dimples galore with them. You know, they're just like have such beautiful faces. So gorgeous. But yeah. When uh, he says something again about being like the best, get it straight, Maddie. I'm the best. Um, he looks so cute there. I think she's pretty much convinced by this stage. Yeah. She's starting to see him in a different way, like as the evolution of their characters. Right. Yeah. She's starting to trust them a little bit. You know, now they're kind of a team. Now they're kind of, they've like fought these two bad guys off and got out of that situation and it bonds them. It does, you know? Yeah. So now I think she's starting to see them or they are a bit of a team now. Yeah. This is a turning point in the, um, in the pilot episode um and then like uh, something else that continues throughout the series is him kind of like taking a lock of her hair and pushing it back like behind her ear or something like that yeah oh yeah Aww, that's so cute <laughs> <laughs> that happens yeah at other times yeah you know. i think
0: she you're right she's starting to trust him a bit more now and as she said he took her back to the agency he didn't take her yeah. so yes you know maybe this
1: guy is not what it looks like on the surface does have a heart, maybe, maybe, you know. Maybe he is, you know, is just not trying to get in her pants. He's trying to, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe he's trying yeah. to form something bigger here. I think she starts kind of seeing that. And then, um yeah, speaking of like putting touches of Bruce and Sybil in there, Bruce playing the harmonica, which he does very well in real life. And uh, Glenn saw that was a hobby of Bruce's. And I think I've added that in. I really like this scene because
0: I love the lighting and I love it when she leans over. It looks yeah. through the doorway and he's playing the harmonica, but one thing I notice about this scene, if you watch it, her eyes are dark. Mm. So when she leans over and looks yeah. through the doorway, I'm like, why does she look different? I'm looking mm. like, at the hell, and then I realised that her eyes are not blue anymore. They're sort of very, they're brown. But I think it's just the way the lighting was. It was just something that stood out to me because I'm thinking she looked different, but I couldn't put my finger on it why she looked different.
1: Yeah. And um, some of the commentary. I will always go back to the commentary because, like I said, I think it's our our best um, inside knowledge about the show. I know lighting was something that they weren't that happy with in the pilot episode. So Jerry Finnerman was their lighting guy, but not in the pilot episode. He was um, the lighting guy in the series. There is something, um, I don't know if you've ever watched, and there's some great interviews um, on YouTube or probably on, on the uh, website of the, it's the Archive of American Television. So there are interviews with Jerry Finnerman. There are interviews with Robert Butler. There are interviews with Glenn Karen, maybe Jay Daniel, maybe Will McKenzie. I'm not sure. But so Jerry Finnerman, you should, if you haven't, you should um, listen to those interviews or watch those interviews on YouTube um, about the lighting. He talks a lot about the lighting. And that's one thing I know that they weren't that happy with in the pilot episode that Sybil, um, he describes looked kind of drawn out the lighting, like how it hit her face. She looked a bit like dark circles under her eyes and things like that. So maybe that's what you're seeing that um, her eyes were looking dark. Maybe they weren't lit. He knew how to light her in a way that like really accentuated the best features of her face. Actually, I think I
0: read an article while I was researching this. I did read an article about that and he did say how, He knew how to light her. And also she liked camera left. She didn't like to be filmed on the right side of her face. And I'm assuming that's why
1: her desk is where it is when you walk in, you're filming yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you can see like when she crosses over to David's desk and stuff like that. She's always filmed from that that one side. Barbara Streisand's
0: the same. She she only likes to be filmed or photographed on one side.
1: And I know that because I'm a crazy Barbara Streisand fan. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that before about her as well, but yes. Uh, yeah, so they spend the night at Blue Moon and then they kind of get started on the case, right? So it's, it is a bit of a turning point for the two characters where they like are starting to work together on this case. It's the next day now and they both get out of the car.
0: Now, we're assuming it's a Porsche, but you cannot see it for people in the way. And I'm watching it and I'm trying to get these people in mm. the way. You can't yeah. actually tell which car it is. Mm. Okay.
1: And, um, and where are they going
0: now? They're now they're going to the pawn shop. Yes. I love this shot because it's filmed from above the pawn shop. I really yeah. like that shot because she looks up and she goes, "It's a pawn shop." And what does he say? You peaked. You peaked. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So then we have the bit of a discussion with the owner of the pawn shop about the watch, and he's saying it's worth three bucks. And of course,
1: they get upset. He's a great character. The way he plays that. You know, he's looked at these trinkets, you know, many a times and he knows yeah. exactly what it is. And
0: Yeah, yeah. Poor bugger doesn't last long. But anyway, yeah, and then, of course, our diamond thief yeah, is again in the back room of the shop and he wants the numbers that are in the watch, which at this stage we don't know what the numbers mean. But, of course, he's trying to get the numbers out of this guy and he kills him. Now, you know, you're going to kill the guy that's trying to give you information. Are you nuts?
1: <laughs> I know tell me the numbers as he's falling down right and why not chase you know Maddie and David out the door be waiting in their car or something like that why uh why go for him you know (laughs) he's like the two that were just in here tell me about the watch it's like well you know they have the watch why don't you go get the watch from them you know
0: so that's that scene and then guess what we have our first scene of them both in the car
1: yes driving scenes with the script on the dashboard yeah. How they, how they caught up on lines, you know, when they had all of those lines to memorize and all those pages to get through. So yeah, they're just such a, they're such a staple of the show. Yeah,
0: of course. It's just the, yeah, the great conversations. And what gets me is he starts slowing down and she's like, what are you, what, what are you doing? And he goes, just hurry up and get the paper. They stop yeah. really quick and grabs the paper from the guy. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but it would have taken me at least 10 minutes to find some coin out of my purse I would have had <laughs> to find my purse in my handbag, and then mm. find a coin to
1: give this guy. But she gives this coin so quickly to this guy. Yeah. She's she, got right? a quarter waiting in the, right, in her, right in the palm of her hand, right in her <laughs> bra <laughs> strap there or something. Yeah, my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, because she's kind of accusing him, like you don't even have a plan, no. and kind of you know now she's kind of beating him down a little bit, right? Saying, you know, what's the plan, David? You know, here she is again, like what are we going to do? You know, she's always looking to him.
0: And this is the first time and, uh, that he gets quite angry. He's he's had enough now.
1: Yeah, yeah, he does get pissed off at her.
0: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's saying, I've got, the, I've got a plan in my head. I've got a good idea. But, of course, he doesn't tell her that actually. Yeah. He just says, stop, get the paper. And, of course, yeah. at this day, she still thinks he's crazy. What are you doing? So that was interesting seeing their first fight, him getting quite upset.
1: Yes, and then she gets the paper and he says, you know, turn to the obituaries and... He's kind of connecting the dots with what's happened so far. And then she kind of has to soften and eat crow a bit. Right. Because she's like, sounds suspiciously like a plan, you know, like, Oh, maybe he does have a plan. Maybe he does know what he's talking about. Yeah, That's right. So he's quite pissed off. And, but then she softens. So they kind of are always, you know, when one gets more angry, the other kind of starts knowing when to back down a little bit, soften, come at them with a different approach. Yeah. And I think she even takes his hand here, doesn't she? She kind of takes his hand and is like, yeah. So sweet. Yeah, sweet moment between them. And, yeah, you can see that they're caring more about each other, that they are becoming a team, that they are, you know, in this together trying to solve this thing. And, she's, yeah, just like learning how to trust each other.
0: Yeah, and it's a real pivotal point in their relationship.
1: Yeah. Now they arrive at um, Susan Kaplan's
0: place. That's the name of the guy, Kaplan. I think his name was Mark Kaplan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Mark Kaplan. Yeah, Yeah, because I don't mention him much, so it's something. Yeah, I think Um, she she
1: calls him Mark or something. So they have their
0: conversation about the diamonds and the guy's father and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And she says, no flies on you.
1: Yeah, yep. That line line comes up again. Yeah. So he's like, somebody's got to tell me what that
0: means. But anyway.
1: Yeah. And that's when he says, do flies fly? Does Spock beam up? Yep. There's another one of those lines, uh, typical David line, de bear's bear, de bee's bee. Yeah, those kind of things.
0: That was an informative scene to let people know the history of the watch because it was still a bit of a wow. mystery why this watch was so important. Obviously, it was the numbers that were inside it. And, of course, she, she gives them the information of how he used to be a pilot in the war or the father-in-law, I think, was the. So all these
1: years later, I'm trying to follow the plot, you know?
0: Yeah, that's right. So they <laughs> hid. You know, this guy had hid the diamonds and they never knew where he was there. And she didn't believe him, of course. And that's why yes. he kept
1: the watch. Coordinates yeah. to where the diamonds were. Yeah, that's
0: right. So and that's obviously a clue there. Mm-hmm.
1: Something there as far as their dynamic and, you know, Glenn um, and how he, I think was very good about keeping their roles balanced. So, you know, David is kind of training her as a detective, as I said. And so as they're coming down the stairs to talk to the woman, he says now, you know, getting information out of people is really can be difficult, you know, getting them to open up. So just let me take the lead on this. And of course, when they get down there, the woman recognizes Maddie as a mo- the model or whatever. And so it's really Maddie that gets her to open up, you know, the, a familiar face. So it's also kind of David's plan coming to fruition where it's like with your name and, you know, my detective skills, we can put these together. And this scene kind of shows that that actually does work because when this woman sees Maddie, she probably feels more comfortable because it's someone she's known in the public and feels a bit familiar opening and more comfortable opening up.
0: That's right. That's when David realizes that she has quite a very good interview technique.
1: Yeah, Mm. yeah. She's kind of a natural with that. Yeah, listens to the woman. Yeah, they get a lot of information out of her.
0: They do, yeah. So that was, that was a really good scene to uncover a little bit for the viewers. Um,
1: More about their dynamic.
0: Yeah. Their dynamic and and covering what's, what's going on with this watch. And because we're dying to find
1: out what this watch is all about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. um, We're getting there. We're getting there to find out.
1: Yeah. Dave gives her some kudos when they're leaving, you know, about her good interviewing.
0: Yeah. She did a better job than he did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, after all that, yeah, exactly. After he's trying to school her a little bit, you know, but that those things play out a lot.
0: Now we find out as they're getting in the car that unfortunately, um, Simon has succumbed to a very bad demise and is dead yeah. in the back of the car. Simon's dead, yes. I thought it was very sweet to try and get her out of the car without her seeing that. I thought that was sweet too.
1: Yeah, that he was like, don't look in the back seat. And then he comes over, he kneels down in front of her. Yeah, he's very sweet with her a lot. You know, many times he's very, like, caring, shows how caring he is, doesn't want to upset her, yeah. doesn't want her to see something like that.
0: The makeup on him was amazing. Yeah. He's blue as. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he still had his glasses on. Whoever put him in the car would have had to have been very careful to carry him and <laughs> Oh my gosh. How, how would you get him in the back seat of that
1: car? Yeah, the logistics of all of that, you know, nobody saw a blue corpse being put in the back of a car.
0: But you know what else gets me? This poor old guy, like he's 65 of his a day.
1: How the hell did he do that? And and when he went into the pawn shop, he said that he, at his age, and it was hard to walk from the parking garage to the front door. Yes. So, and how, that's why he was killing together. someone yes. and putting a corpse yes. in the back of a car. <laughs> Explain that one, Glenn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that. One.
0: Yeah. Maybe, All
1: right.
0: Uh, yes, I noticed too that they left the car door open. They were so frantic. I
1: don't know if yeah, running away from the car. Yeah, that shot um, of her, Sybil, really, you know, good acting, just like jumping up on him, screaming, and then saying, "No, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. This ends my, you know, time as a detective." And and it was like, you know, again with the commentary, but. Um, it wasn't the best shot. The camera was shaking a lot. And, you know, as far as like the whole logistics of just filming, the camera was shaking when she was coming towards the camera and things like that. But
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, so in the commentary, they were saying that they wanted Sybil to do it again, but she thought the shot, you know, her acting was what she wanted it to be and didn't want to film it again. She like insisted they use that shot.
0: What the shot she screams when she's outside the car.
1: And jumps on David and then, yeah, but I think like if you watch it, oh. um, you know, look closely, I don't think, I think the, the camera is shaking. I don't think like, um, you know, really? cinematography wise, it's not like perfect or something. Oh, and, you know, right. and them walking, him chasing her down the street towards the camera. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, I agree. Like the, the shot looks great. And um, the emotion in it is real and all of that stuff, you know. But, um, yeah, just I, I know that that's a, sh- that's a shot where Sybil liked what she had done. They wanted to redo it and she didn't want to. So they ended up using that. Um, I have written here, dead guy in the car, and
0: her first scream. This is the first time we hear. I love her scream. It's the best ever. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does have a good scream. and Yeah, yeah. So
0: that was her first scream. And we have our first song. Since I yeah. felt
1: for you by Lenny Welsh. Yes, that's their song, Maddie and yes. David's song. Yeah. So it's a dip in the dance. Yeah. If you listen to the words, it spells out their relationship in a way. But also, when they first walk into the bar, Crazy by Patsy Klein is playing. Yes. In the background, um, which is talking about how you know, it must be crazy to like be going through this yes. with you and all that stuff, yes. you know? And then she calls a cab or something, you know, she wants to get out of there. And then he pours some alcohol down her throat again, a kamikaze. (laughs) He keeps wanting to get her drunk, seriously. Yeah, he's trying to calm her down with alcohol. He orders her a second shot and she's like, are you trying to get me drunk? But anyway, yes, but anyway, uh, more, you know, him switching gears again, because then she's going to leave and it's kind of a sweet scene with her saying, do you really think I'm cold and things like that? That Like the things that he said to her, she's kind of like, they've sunken, you know, like, am I really this way that he's telling me I'm cold when they dance and all that. It's very, it's a great scene. I mean, their chemistry there. I think that's the scene. They used a scene similar um, to that to prove to the network that they had chemistry and that they would work together on on screen. And I wish that we could see the test that they did. The test for that hasn't been released Uh, no they, one with Bruce on his own I haven't seen but yeah. at the
0: start she didn't want to test with him because she thought that yeah. if she tested Glenn would remove her from the show just in case he didn't like what he saw yeah so I don't yeah. know whether they actually did one
1: yeah they did one so at first she didn't want to but then they did um because I think Robert Butler talks about that how they lit it like really really beautifully with like sparkling lights in the background and stuff like that Yep. and that it was you know the chemistry was there and it was a beautiful it's probably more beautiful than what they showed in the pilot he said oh that's right it was the kitchen scene that they did um, they did that they yeah. they did a couple but they also did that dance scene they did that dance scene. oh but they did the dance scene as well yeah oh. yeah they did the dance scene but it hasn't been released i don't know like if they saw yeah. footage of it or what but if anyone's listening we would love to see that i'd love to see that um put it on youtube or something Release that, please. <laughs> yeah, release that, please. A lot of these things are on YouTube where we can see them and, you know, or they've been released with the DVDs and extra footage and things like that. But um, yeah, I wish we could see that because, you know, they said in some commentary that I've listened to when they did the test, the chemistry was even more than that scene in the pilot. Um, and that scene in the pilot is great. I mean, him sticking her no- his nose in her ear and, you know, them swaying yeah. and him dipping her. And yeah, yeah. it's super romantic and sexy. And-
0: I really and like real. that scene. Um, it's like he's closed his eyes and he's smelling her hair and he's yeah. holding her tight, but then you realize why.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, so he was having
0: a good time doing that. However, oh, yeah. he's taken the watch off her.
1: Yep, Exactly. Um, So, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like he manipulates her a little bit sometimes with being like downshifting and being more caring and getting close and talking to her softly and, you know, kind of wooing her a little bit. But then it's, yeah, to get the watch so he can like keep continuing when she keeps saying she does not want to continue.
0: Continue. well let's face it he's the professional detective here he knows what moves to take to get to yeah. the outcome that he wants she's just thinking i want to get rid of this thing but she's not thinking about the repercussions of that yeah. so the way he's done it is really
1: good although the next morning with another outfit change she is very yeah. angry and another staple of the show her legs coming out of the elevator her legs coming out of the elevator Woo! <laughs> yes 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 see that many a times we should count those too, along with door slams we should count yes legs coming out of the elevator and they do it with his feet as well
0: yes i've actually i've actually um got the list here of what we're going to do so she's wearing this gray outfit
1: yeah she had such great legs they always had a high slit in her skirt you always. know sometimes very high all the way up to the waistline practically sometimes you know yeah.
0: but she could wear it
1: she, oh yeah she had
0: it she, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Would make a grown man cry, as David might say.
0: Yeah, so now she goes to the Blue Moon Detective Agency and rubs out all that poor guy's work on the window. On
1: the Oh, window. my gosh, I know. I, um, yeah, how, <laughs> that was so rude. rude. I've done all this work. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, woman? I know, and you just smudged my Blue Moon, yeah, investigation. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, Agnes has a new rhyme. Yeah, Agnes's rhyme, Agnes another staple Trump. of the show. Yeah, Terrific. We should start counting them too. I've written this down. I must be talking about um, Bruce's desk. She goes into Bruce's and there's computer paper on the desk, the old computer paper. Oh, my gosh. With I saw holes. that. You know, remember yes. the printers with the holes? And then he's turning the globe around. Do we see that globe again? Is that the same globe that's always through the series? I haven't really
1: mm-hmm. noticed. Not, she has a globe in her office through the series. I don't think it's the same one. but since no, no it's not like it. that one. He's a see-through. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah, hers is oh, no. Yeah, I know
0: which one you mean. Yeah, it's different. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was crazy when he says, we need a map. Yeah, and they have to drive all the way to either, is it a library or the, are they council offices?
1: I know, isn't that so funny? <laughs> they had to go to the maps room at the library. I know. Um, but- but also with Maddie's anger, she thro- she throws an object at his head that goes crashing through the window. <laughs> I think it was a, a, was it a stapler or a sticky tape holder? I don't know. Or a, a paperweight or something like paperweight that. Paperweight or something, yeah. Oh Certainly gosh, it's some
0: unamused people down there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, David's just never thrown off by her, you know, antics and behavior. Her her anger just t- gets, you know, these days, Maddie would be going to anger management. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so they go to the... I think it was the uh, maps room at the library.
0: The That's what library. The and our uh, um, diamond thief has followed them. So you just see him oh. standing there. He's followed them to, you know, so you know that he's going to follow them to... Yeah. The northwest corner of Ninth and Broadway. Now, is this an actual address? That's a good question. I like—is that you, where the Eastern you, Building is? Yeah, because yeah. you went to the Eastern Building, didn't you? Like you've seen it. Yeah,
1: I, I do think it's um, at those crossroads. I would think, but you know what? I don't remember. I don't remember what two streets cross where the Eastern Building is. I've been past there a few times. Yeah,
0: because the the camera shoots yeah. upwards with the Northwest sign, and then the building. Yeah, the building,
1: but you don't know whether they've you know. I think it's. I think it's right. I think that's where it is. Yeah, I don't see any reason to change that. You know in filming and it's it is quite um imposing
0: isn't it it's quite an attractive building it's unusual the architecture yeah
1: like our deco yeah a really lovely building yes very cool building with the and it looks just like that today which is the yeah, cool it hasn't thing. changed nope no lovely go there
0: go to LA um, you can see that the other thing I thought too she's wearing a shoulder bag it's something that's not hmm. really a staple of the show she likes her clutches
1: yeah that's true. She usually has like a, a handbag. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so the yeah. the shoulder bag was there for a reason, I think. I can't remember why I thought that. Hmm. because of the scene, it couldn't be a clutch because she wouldn't be able to do what she had to do. Hmm. I just can't Did remember. she climbed the the clock tower with her bag on. <laughs> no. No, I think she I set it think, down.: No, she put it down. Yeah, I just yeah, can't remember. But down. I remember thinking, oh, yeah. a
1: shoulder bag because she doesn't wear shoulder bags in the rest of the show. Robert Tertorius you know maybe that was he thought maybe she was more of a handbag clutch kind yes. of a gal yes she sure is oh yeah
0: <laughs> I love it when she says do you know what you're looking for and he says
1: good woman fast car yeah um, good woman fast car and
0: this oh that's why that's what I that's why I wrote this down because he says good woman fast car and when you realize it he already has
1: it now I know it's right there uh, standing it's next right to him exactly yeah he's got it all oh, I, yeah oh, i thought about that crossed my mind too it's like well yeah, there she yeah. is you know
0: now very strange no. how he climbs up and falls down a couple of times that was like you yeah. know bit, obviously we wanted her to climb up so yeah. as she's climbing up he says yeah. she goes what do i do now and he goes we'll do a boogaloo oh yeah now isn't that mentioned in a future episode the boogaloo yeah
1: Yep. So we'll get sense. to that when that comes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And the famous line of the series. Yeah, say it. Yep. What's, what's the proper line? How does he say it? And yes, I am looking up your dress. Excellent. I'm right behind you. Now i look back and try and see me. Just know that I'm right in back of you. And yes, I am looking up your dress.
0: Now, in that scene, when she goes up, in response to something he says, she says, pardon me, Mr. Walinda. And I'm like, I only picked that up when I was watching it recently for this podcast, right? I'm yeah. like, Mr. Walenda, what the hell does that mean? So I thought I better do some research on this because I really want to find out who the flying Walendas were. From 1905 to 1978, they were German-Americans and they did
1: dangerous stunts without a net. Oh, <laughs> this series in general is packed with references. Yes. And, yeah, um, it's funny. And as many times as we've watched it, you know, I don't even understand all the references sometimes for that. So it's, yeah, good to look up along the way. I didn't know that. And, yeah, they probably walked in between buildings, you know, skyscrapers or something like that um, on Maybe. tight ropes or something. Yeah, there's there's so much packed into these shows. Glenn was such a good writer. And I seem to remember in the special
0: features of the DVD. I think it was Deborah Frank who mentioned it, that, mm-hmm. you know, the writers would have an idea or a joke or something like that, and they weren't sure whether – the audience would understand it. Now, she said in other shows, the head shows would say, no, don't put it in because people aren't going to understand what the hell you're talking about. But Glenn goes, no, put it in, you know, yeah. put it in. Because it is funny, you know, and as it turns out, eventually people find
1: out what the yeah. joke was, you know. Yeah, Glenn was like, even if half the people get it, who cares? I mean, yeah, Glenn was really willing. He took risks, you know, and that's why the show was so great in so many ways. Um, 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Oh yeah, yeah. When he's uh, getting the ladder, Stay like, there! I'm going to get a ladder. Oh yeah. my god, it's so trying to keep ladder. her distracted. Yeah, trying to keep her motivated up there. Yeah. And the stunt that she did was really impossible. <laughs> yeah, climbing over to the hand of the, of the clock.
0: And um, watch. My question is, how on earth did that ladder stay in place? I, I don't understand. Unless it was anchored down to something,
1: and, and Bruce is, you know, going out,
0: yeah. you know, yeah. on
1: the ladder. That eastern building, one side falls down to the ground, but then the the clock face is actually on all four sides. Yes. So the other side of the building, it's a floor or right below, you know. So yeah. they probably just creatively filmed it, right? So it looked like he was hanging off the side of the building, but he was really hanging over probably like the ceiling of the eastern building.
0: That's right. Yeah, I found Part that out recently that. too. So three okay. sides yeah. is three sides is you can actually walk out onto the ledge. Sort yeah. But one right. side is flat. So they're making out in the, in, the, in the show that the side that is flat is where they are. Yeah. But in fact, um, I don't know whether it's in Scott Ryan's book of moonlighting. I don't know whether it's where I saw it recently. It's a photo of the crew putting it all together and on, on the, obviously not the flat side. She did her own stunt and she said it was scary, but she did it. And cause she had trust in the people that were around her. Um, right. Yeah. I still don't want to look at it because it it's so real. Especially when the the ladder falls down and she still holds on to it.
1: How does yeah. she think it's gonna like normally you oh would gosh. think I'm not gonna bother yeah. holding on because the ladder's gonna fall too? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Even the stunt person had the stunt person hold on. That was uh they did a great job filming that stunt. It's really no, cool. That, that was just the best. They did such a good job.
0: I, I just yeah. can't fault it at all. There's nothing there that, that says it's not real. Yeah. And she goes, they're both on the ladder when he goes, and then she crawls back and he's going, watch the jacket.
1: Oh, my God. I, I Watch know, the true. jacket. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, yeah. In that archive of American television interview with Robert Butler, he talks about that scene and that line. And he says, that's just so Bruce Willis. Yes. That's just such, such like a Bruce Willis thing to say. And, you know, <laughs> speaking of like that. Scott Ryan's book, um, uh, The Oral History, which came out re- recently, which is such great insight of the show. They so many people say and, you know, Bruce Willis's mother um, in an interview said the same David and Bruce. They're they're just too very close. They're very close. You know, Bruce is David and David is Bruce, you know. So I think there's so much overlap there, you know, and I think um, one of Glenn's um real strengths as a writer is writing to the strengths of the actor, knowing knowing what they're able to really pull off well. And I think that um Glenn did that great with with Bruce. I don't think Maddie was so much like um Sybil Shepherd, but she played her great as well, you know, she was just able to rise to it. But yeah. So anyway, um Robert Butler did mention that that line watch the jacket was so Bruce Willis yeah, that's the best oh and that's why
0: if you watch the the extra features Bruce does actually say as soon as he read the pilot yeah. he knew who the guy was he knew yeah. who the guy was straight away he goes I know this yeah. guy I can play this guy easy so yeah he, took over. he just took over when he had to
1: cast for it and yeah that uh, on the table yeah. and I can imagine it I can see it you know oh yeah you can can't and- you? Yeah, I can see Bruce's arrogance, just like like he he's yeah. said in another interview with Sybil. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get nervous during um, auditions. It's just you get it or you don't. So if yeah. you can walk into the room with that kind of confidence and not care if you get it or not, then, yeah, you can pull off anything because it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? So, yeah, I mean, thank God he could, right? So they're having a little bit of a, a discussion with the, the diamond
0: thief. The diamonds fall on the ground. I would have liked to have seen when the old guy goes onto the ladder to, to Bruce because he, you know, she throws the diamonds to Bruce as he's on the ladder, and yeah. the ladder finally bends from the weight. I know it probably would have cost a lot of money, but I would have liked to have seen a downward shot of him falling. Unless, oh, that okay. was, unless that yes. was too graphic for <laughs> the time. I'm right, it yeah. would be an expensive shot. They probably would have had to do that in the studio with a green screen and, you know.
1: Yeah, things.
0: right. I know what you mean. I but that would have, have mean, been yeah. interesting to see him fall, not too far, just just a little snippet. It actually reminds me of the scene of when in Die Hard when Hans Gruber falls down off the building. Oh, bill, yeah. The yeah,
1: yeah, right, and you yeah. actually kind of see him falling yeah, away from so the building, that, yeah. yeah. It would have been a, like a little bit of deja vu. yeah. Uh, I know, yeah. A lot of things kind of cross over sometimes with moonlighting, you know, yeah, and Bruce's definitely. other roles. He says again, "We make a terrific team." He says it for the second time. Yeah, and he keeps trying to convince her and show her. You know, there's another line when um Maddie has the bag of diamonds and Bruce um David. It's it's I, I think it's cute even in the commentary when um Glenn and Bruce and Sybil and everybody they're always like saying either Maddie or Sybil or David or Bruce. It's like the names get mixed up a lot because reality and fiction world are often blurred, I think with moonlighting, which I think is as a fan, really um, one of the appeals of the show is a lot of things that were happening behind the scenes were happening in front of the camera and, Mm -hmm. you know, reality and, and fiction really did get blurred a lot. And so the character names and the actor names often get like mixed together, mixed intermixed, which I always think is very cute and very telling about the show. But anyway, so Bruce uh, climbs out on the ladder and then he says to Maddie, Maddie, a little help. And that's the line that he uses in, in the show as well. Yeah. Other times. And she throws in the bag of diamonds and that's when the guy comes out on the ladder, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, yeah. It's a great scene. And then he climbs back and they have a nice hug. Yeah. That's great. Very warm hug. Yeah. yeah. Hugs him bad. <laughs> I know it's a really sweet hug. Yes. Um, you could really see like there, I think a bond between, Even the actors, like I said, Um, part of the appeal of Moonlighting with a lot of fans is the crossover between real life and what was going on on screen, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think sometimes you can really see that it's like it's Bruce and Sybil, but it's Maddie and David, but it's, you know, yeah. Because we know what
0: they're like as Bruce and Sybil and we know what they're like as Maddie and David. And, yeah, you're right, there usually is a little bit of an overlap
1: it, ble- it bleeds through sometimes, especially at later seasons when we know more about what's going on behind the scenes, you know, that we can talk about it. That's also talked about in the commentary and stuff, but um, yeah, really, really nice hug and all of that. And then we come to the end, right? We come to uh, him trying to convince her again to go into business together yep. and they've made headlines, which is always his goal, especially in the beginning. He's always trying to solve a case that will make headlines to bring attention to the detective agency. Those are some of his main goals. So He
0: achieved it with a little cherry on top.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with this case, but in the episodes to come very very quickly, he's talking about the same thing, you know, something that'll make headlines, bring the detective agency some attention. But anyway, so he's done that. And, he, yeah, he's trying to get her um, to come on board with him. And she says that she'll tell him tomorrow, right? (laughs) I love this bit.
0: Oh, yeah. my God, it's the best. But just need a day to think about it. And he goes,
1: like a, day. a whole day? Yeah. <laughs> That's 24 hours? Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> they're cute there, too. Oh, my God, yeah. that
0: is so good.
1: They're always, they're always very cute together. And then, of course, David being David, he's already he already knows the answer, right? He's not going to take no for an answer ever.
0: He's, yeah, he's already called the press. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, he's already announced it, so she really has no choice anyway. She's going into business with him, and, yeah, and then he has this funny line. There isn't going to be
0: any statement today, but if you could all be back tomorrow at the same time. <laughs> and, then, and that is great how it ends. Boom. Yeah. And I think they're laughing. You can imagine yeah. the world, whoever, the viewers laughing when they watch that because it was just yeah. a great ending.
1: Loved it. Yes, and I think even uh, you get a little bit of Bruce and Sybil laughing a little bit out of character there, which happens at other time in the. Yes,
0: I Um, do notice sometimes they do go out of character, but we'll talk about that in future episodes,
1: I'm sure. Yes, yeah, they'll be really fun to point out as we go on. Yes. So yeah, and then um, in the credits, they they intercut um, some kind of fun parts of the show and do a little montage of like glasses and. Yeah. I don't know if there's any bloopers or anything or some outtakes or I don't know, but um, yeah. So um, great episode. Great episode. So Sean, is it in your top 10? It is not in my top 10. Not in your top 10. Mm
0: -hmm. No.
1: Is it in yours?
0: No, it is not. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is not, but it's a pilot and it establishes characters and um, that's our foundation for subsequent episodes so it was a great basis for what
1: was to come it's a great introduction to yes what's to come like you say no it's not in my top 10 uh, reason being is I think the criteria for a top 10 for me um, is more of uh, go-to episodes that without watching it in order because sometimes I'll go of course from the beginning and rewatch from the beginning like yeah. we're doing now but just in life yeah. in my normal life you know okay I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the moon landing from the beginning And it's fun to do. But um, most of the time I have these, I have go-to episodes, probably like everybody does. um, The ones that are just like comforting, easy to watch, easy to sink into, has the great lines that you like and stuff like that. And that for me is when we're more into the world of Maddie and David and and Blue Moon in general. So that's why the pilot episode isn't, it's not an episode I would throw on any old night to watch. You know what I mean? So for me, that's why it's not in, in my top 10, even though, and it's longer, the other ones are about 40 minutes, so they're easier in the evening before bed or something like that to just watch. But, you know, this one, it's a bit more time consuming.
0: Yes, that's right. And that's another thing I wanted to say, too, is the episodes are longer than they are these days. Some yeah. of them went quite long, 46 minutes, 48, something yeah. like that. Whereas I know that when I watch, because I'm a crazy West Wing fan as well, they know more than 40, 42 minutes maximum. So since then, they have definitely increased the advertising time. So- yes,
1: that's why this show really needs to be on a streaming service, Netflix, <clears throat> or or, <laughs> or any other streaming service out there. You can afford it. Come on, put Moonlighting on there. When it was on Bravo years ago, it was chopped up in a different way because of the commercial time that they, that they needed these days. And it just really took away from the flow of the show. So I think they even had to take some scenes. It was just, it was nice to have it on TV. I won't complain about that, Yeah, but it did not flow the way that it was meant to flow. So yeah, a streaming service has to happen. This show has to be put on a streaming service. It can't. Yeah.
0: yeah I think we need to explain to the listeners why it's not streaming. You want to explain to them why?
1: Um, well, what we've heard and always been told is that there's a lot of music in the show and that music to buy the rights um, to that music nowadays would be very expensive. So it's an expensive show to buy and stream, I guess, for these services. Yeah, the music rights. I mean, there, there is a ton of music later in the episodes, um, Rolling Stones and things like that, that um, yeah, I guess would just be and some like Disney music and, and things like that, that they just asked for permission at the time. And they said, yeah, you can use it. But mm. these days it would cost quite a bit to like actually have the rights to use it in the show. And yeah, you don't want the music changed um, because it is uh-huh. part of the show. Yeah, it's too bad though.
0: A while back, I was watching a couple of episodes of Dawson's Creek. Don't ask me why, but I started watching. I just and I'm yeah. thinking, hang on, this isn't the theme song to Dawson's Creek. They were playing a different song no. at the start. No. Yeah, yeah. So that's obviously a reason. It's now time for moon trivia. I have some trivia
1: questions for you about the oh, episode. No. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, the first one. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, The first one is what song was David playing on his harmonica in the office?
0: Blue moon. You saw me standing.
1: She sings that in a later episode. Yeah, she does. Yes. Well, gosh, I mean, that's the name of the detective agency, right? It's quite apropos. Got to get it in in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, Okay. Second one. Um, What is the original name of the detective agency? The city of angels. Yep, City of Angels Investigations.
0: Oh, Investigations. Sorry, yes. Yeah. I get 75%, and
1: then, yeah. okay? <laughs> and then Blue Moon was Blue Moon Detective Agency, right? Yeah. Um, okay, and then the third one, what time is on the clock when they are climbing the Eastern Building? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so
0: the big hand's on the nine. Yeah, we know that, right. yeah. Okay, so should. I remember thinking it was in the afternoon, yeah. A little, okay. I think it was 145.
1: Oh, you're good. Yeah, I remember, yeah.
0: distinctly remember that, but I remember thinking, oh gee, that they're up there in the afternoon. So yes. Look at
1: you. 100 percent on your quiz. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I'm a true teacher. Um following it up with some recall questions, you know, to see what we've learned today. <laughs> Yeah, do you have
0: any questions for me? I actually forgot to do questions for you, but I do have one, but it's a big one, so it counts as three. Okay. When Maddie goes and talks to her lawyer about the account and how he's skipped town and everything, he yeah. tells her six businesses that she still owns.
1: Can you name them? <laughs> I know one was a dog grooming. Yes. I think one was a nail salon. Yeah, did fingernail boutique, he says, yeah. A nail boutique, okay. Uh, that might be, um, okay, you've got a detective agency. There's three. Yeah. Was there a, gosh, a brokerage firm or something? That No, uh, hmm. I only know three. I did hear the dog grooming, an nail boutique, detective agency, and what were the other three? I can only go half. So you
0: know what? You answered the question because there's you've answered three of them, so that's good. The other okay. thing was a bait and tackle shop oh okay um a family portrait studio oh all
1: right and yeah. a dirty bookstore oh my gosh <laughs> last thing Marty wants to own i know she dirty didn't bookstore. care they
0: were losing money for her so that was fine
1: yeah and they were her write-offs right yeah. a little bit of trivia just in general for the show um the sure. pilot episode is 154 pages wow um, yeah. Long. And they were still short. And that was the, the, um, the thing, you know, because it moved so fast. And even though this pilot episode didn't move as fast as they did, you know, coming up here in other episodes, they were still short. So that must've been a point of frustration sometimes, you know, you go through all these pages of dialogue and stuff and you're still short for the series and stuff, which is why they, sometimes we got those spontaneous moments in the, in the beginning of the show and things like that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, 154 pages and they're still short. Overall, very good episode. A lot of seeds of things to come. David's do a fly, does Spock beam up and things like that. I've got one piece of
0: trivia, which I'm sure a lot of the Moonlighting fans know about, and they mention it on the special features. One of the episodes they go through, they mention that you would notice this if you go back and look now, how Sybil looks and how Bruce looks, because she's actually shot with diffusion. Oh, Um, yeah. This is here. Sybil Shepherd was often shot with diffusion discs so she would look as leading ladies often did in films of the 1940s. That was a Jerry
1: Fennerman thing. Yeah, yeah
0: but when you look at her, does she really need that? She was absolutely beautiful.
1: I know. No, she did not need it.
0: She was gorgeous. And it's yeah. quite obvious when you turn to Bruce...
1: Oh, I know. Sybil looks blurry and Bruce looks, yeah. Yeah, they do. They talk about that in the commentary a little bit. And I think, ironically, you know, season five, when she probably could have used it a little bit more, looking so tired, looking long hours and all that, I think they stopped using it then, crazily enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, early seasons, I mean, she was gorgeous. She didn't need it, you know. But yeah, lots of seeds there, lots of hints at things to come, the beginning of their relationship, the chemistry from the beginning a very strong start. I thought it was just great, a great episode. But the funny thing is it just gets better from here.
0: Whoever hasn't watched Moonlighting before and is going to be starting to watch it with us, um, you're in for a treat because it it just gets better and better. And it's, it's yeah. fast paced. Uh, a lot yes. of times you'll go, hang on, what? And you'll have to stop and pause and
1: yeah that's why you have to watch these over and over again because you the the lines go by so fast you can't catch everything you know and
0: thank god they're on youtube and they're
1: on that other website too what's that website shauna that was daily motion i think they're better quality i don't think on youtube it's hit and miss some are good quality and some aren't the pilot i think is kind of zoomed in on a lot of
0: yeah
1: and so if you can find them on youtube in good quality or go to daily Motion. Yeah, and also if you can get hold of the DVDs or you've already
0: got the box set, the best go down way. and watch it with us. That's the best way. And you'll have the commentaries on there as well, which we go by as well. So, so a few things we're going to be doing with each podcast episode. We're going to be counting the door slams. We're going to be going through Agnes's rhymes. Um, we're going to talk about if Bruce actually sang on the episode. Any goofs or mistakes that you might see Um, i actually didn't write any down for this episode so that's quite good the feet coming out of the elevator uh, we're going to have a trivia question time Um, we're going to talk about our top 10 episodes is it going to be shauna's is it going to be mine we'll talk about that as we go along we're going to have uh, moonlight mail so when you guys want to email us if you've got a comment about anything we've said maybe you want something you want us to talk about something on the podcast definitely email us at fans at moonlighting yeah
1: we'd love to hear from you I'd love to hear your thoughts on anything that we've talked about today anything else you noticed in the episode or going forward one thing going forward I would love to know more about that I don't know a lot about watching all these years I just know the references is all the stooges uh, the three stooges I know is a big inspiration too. Bruce probably Glenn and Sybil also there were in a lot of her sound effects and noises that referred to the Stooges. So any Stooges fans out there, maybe you can give us a little more insight into how that evolved on the original Stooges show and how you see it manifest itself in Moonlighting throughout the series, because that is a pretty big, I see it or hear it over and over again.
0: Yeah, the three Stooges um, influenced Bruce quite a lot, and it's quite evident in several episodes. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I just don't know a lot about the Stooges. Um, I haven't watched the Stooges. So if anyone out there is a Stooges expert and knows and Moonlighting fan and can kind of tie the two together, that would be something I'd love to know more about.
0: Yes. Well, actually, I was a Stooges fan. I used to watch them as a child. Don't remember a lot about it. I just remember all the funny, silly things I used to do. But it's a bit gray to me now. But yes, I can understand where he's coming from. Put it that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we'd love to thank um, the Moonlighting community in general for the support that they've given us as we've been just putting this together and promoting the the podcast. Some big fans out there like Ryan Adams has been posting a lot of our reposting, a lot of what we put up on his um, Instagram story. So thank you, Ryan Adams. Thank you, Curtis Armstrong, for tweeting. Thank you, Scott Ryan. His book, Moonlighting and Oral History it was released a few months ago, and it's, um, again, great insight into the show. Definitely worth a read and definitely a good companion for these, these podcast episodes. Any insight into the show is just like gold to us Moonlighting fans, right, Grace? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, the shoulders that we stand on for other Moonlighting fans in the past, like Diana and Sue, who put together the Moonlighting group and Diana, um, the, the fanzines and others that worked with Diana Um Joy, I know, it's one and some other others that worked really hard on those fanzines years ago to get, you know, before, really before, like, a lot of internet was around to get us information and to do interviews and to kind of build this archive that we have for this show that aired over 30 years ago, but that we're still obsessed with and want to know every detail. And sometimes I think that um, we're actually, even though it was um, a show that was re- released in the 80s, we actually do have a lot of information about what happened behind the scenes. Because, you know, I think you wouldn't get a lot of that today because it's more protected. You think with the internet, you might have more access to that. But I think, you know, you only see what's released and everything is very planned. You know, I think that we have a lot of insight to what happened behind um, the scenes of Moonlighting because people were there. um, We've heard the stories, you know, through interviews and things like that over the years. We've gotten different nuggets that we can kind of pull and piece together. And I think it, that's kind of like their little treasures of the show and, you know, that we have to kind of collect and keep together. Um, yeah, a lot of pictures, behind the scene pictures and things like that. All of those I just think of as, you know, like, like I said, little pieces of golden insight into like, what was really going on at the time and, and um, what it was like to put the show together in general. Yeah, lots of people have done a lot of work since the show aired to keep this flame and pass the flame you know, and and we're trying to keep it alive here with this podcast. So I hope that we are adding to the Moonlighting community and everybody enjoys the podcast and will join in in the discussion and add what they know to it. And also any of the Moonlighting fans that are listening to this, if you know
0: anybody that doesn't know about this podcast and really loves Moonlighting and, and you remember that that person used to watch it, tell them about it because it was such a highly acclaimed show. It was so popular at the time. That there's got to be millions of people out there that loved it. So, we're trying to create that awareness that, you know, we're trying to revitalize moonlighting and bring it into the 21st century. So, we're really looking forward to spending several years with you. So, I hope you enjoy the journey with us because we're going to be doing yeah. this on a fortnightly basis. And I really wanted to reiterate what you said and thanking Diana and Sue for bringing me to you, Shauna, because yeah, I, right. I'd actually joined several moonlighting groups and i just happened to mention on one of the threads oh i'm creating a podcast on moonlighting and i'm looking for a co-host not thinking if yeah. anything would really happen because you've got to be careful on these groups because people don't like you advertising you know your own stuff so and then I, I think diana replied and sue and then i rang diana and diana's in i think she's she's in los angeles yeah yeah mm-hmm. so i spoke to her on messenger and she said, look, she's really happy to pop in here and there. But she said, Shauna is your girl. If you want a co-host, <laughs> Shauna is your girl. Because, <laughs> Shauna, you've been trying to organize a podcast too. So it was just, it's just the universe collided. And um, yeah. so you were looking for a co-host and I was looking for a co-host. We joined that group. Diana got me onto you. We had a chat on the phone. And as David Addison says, the rest is kismet.
1: Yeah. It was, it was just kismet. Um, definitely it all has come together so smoothly since then. And this is something that I've been wanting to do and talking about doing for a couple of years now, and even bought equipment to do and, and all of that. And yeah, wanted, um, Sue in particular to join me and, but, you know, just life gets busy and yeah. takes us in different directions and, um, you know, it was hard to kind of get it all together, but Sue was along with Diana, very encouraging do the podcast with grace. And yeah, I think they're just as excited as we are. And I think it's just the perfect fit. You know, we each have the piece um, pieces that the other we're missing to like pull this podcast together. Yes, it is going to take us a while to get through all the episodes. But as a fan for many, 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 many years now, it's a dream. Yeah, it's going to just be more fun from here because the pilot is a little bit longer. It takes a little bit longer to get through. The recording has gone to th- on three hours now, although I'll be editing a lot of it,
0: but yeah, I might have to split it up into two. Um, not sure, see what the fans think, but I might have to split it in two because it might be too long. People can pause anyway. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, I it's
1: might do a part one it and part two. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I can't believe it's like a um, long time coming and I can't believe that someone hasn't done it before and that we're lucky enough to be the first two to be able to do it. Fans just seem really excited. I mean, the support, I'm like, you know, to say it again, the support that we've gotten so far has just been amazing. And, you know, thank you again to ryan and curtis and scott and just more to come you know and we hope we hope that you enjoy all of these discussions and can relate and add to for yeah. sure
0: and see i've been sort of thinking about this for six probably six to eight months and um thinking about how i was going to put it together and and then i find out about scott ryan's moonlighting an oral history book and i'm thinking yeah. oh this is great this is all yeah. working the universe is working somehow right and I thought he's bringing this book out if we create this podcast we're going to revitalize all these old moonlighting fans it's going to be great
1: yeah all of these things working together to like get the conversation started again and like that's what I said just like the keeper of the flames you know just keep it lit and keep it going you know because
0: I hope Sybil and Bruce are happy about this
1: (laughs) I, yes, I know. And um, Curtis and Glenn and um, Elise and all, all the major players and minor players as well and writers and, and everybody. Um, yeah, I hope they're happy about it. And, you know, I think they'd probably say it was a long time coming as well. I'm surprised again, like someone yeah, hasn't I, done I th- it before. I think so too. And yeah. we're hoping
0: to have some special guests on the podcast in later episodes. Yeah, we're going to put it out there. Mm-hmm. We, we're not sure if it's going to happen, but we have to put it out there and, and um, we, you know, you've got to have a goal, right? So, yes. you know, we want Glenn Gordon-Karen. We want Curtis Armstrong. We want Elise Beasley. We'd love Jay Daniel, you know. Yeah, yeah definitely. Even a few of the guest stars. Sybil and we...
1: Bruce. Sybil and Bruce.
0: Of course. You know, that, that goes without saying. Sybil <laughs> and
1: Bruce, And we will definitely be having other fans, um, some of them, them that we've mentioned. You know, quite close social media wise uh, with a lot of Mulani fans that have expressed interest coming on.
0: Yeah, and I'd really love to talk to Curtis Armstrong and Elise Beasley about the episode, He is Living with You Kid. I thought they were both absolutely marvelous in it, and the whole production was amazing. So I really want to talk to him about that. I hope you're listening, Curtis. Yeah, that's uh fourth far. season, I believe. Yeah, that's too far. I want him on
1: earlier than that. <laughs> Curtis. Come on Curtis. Curtis is a, a, fr- a friend of fans. Curtis has been great. Um, so many different ways throughout the years with the moon landing fans and everything supporting the community. So I think that'll happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I know a bit of trivia about that episodes, which I won't go into now, but okay. it's, I, I just, he, I thought he was wonderful in it. So and Elise, of Thank course, you. but so
1: I can't wait to get <laughs> to season four. <laughs> oh no. no. Alert. Yeah, I know. we got a lot of work to do before then. We got a lot of work to do. But um, yes, in future episodes, definitely we'll be discussing um, what uh, Curtis added to the show and, and yeah, all of that. So when he came on, but yes, it's been wonderful. I think, yeah, just getting through the pilot episodes since it is a bit longer um, to discuss and it is just the the bones and the seeds of the, of the series, you know, where it all began. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to talk further about um, and more in detail about other episodes to come wonderful thank you
0: to the moonlighting community for listening to this very long episode i'm not sure i probably will split it in half thank you to everyone involved as shauna said before thank you so much for your wonderful support from everybody including people of influence which has been just wonderful they're sharing our stories on instagram and creating some awareness about moonlighting which is absolutely terrific
1: Grace, it's been wonderful discussing the pilot with you. And our next discussion will be on season one, episode two, the gunfight at the Soso Corral. So please watch that episode, all you fans out there, before our next podcast, so you can follow along and join in in the discussion. Well, until next time, I'm Grace and I'm Shauna. Thank,
0: Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting the,
1: the Podcast. podcast.